And we're live on the Fantasy Oddscast. I have the utmost pleasure with being with my co-host of this episode, Jake Perry. You can follow him on Twitter, JakePerry34. You can follow me on Twitter, Agent Desai, Agent Desai4. How's it going, man? Bro, it's going well. I'm ready for this week to be over. It's been a long week, ready to get the weekend here, especially since I don't have any homework this weekend. So it should be a fun one. But man, we got some things to talk about this week, don't we? Yeah, we do, man. Carson Wentz has been dealt to the Indianapolis Colts for a third-round pick for this year and a second-round pick for 2022 that could be a first-round pick if all the conditions are met. And those conditions are if Carson Wentz is 75% healthy of the season. Um, and if he is, uh, Philadelphia will be getting that first-round pick for 2022. Your thoughts on that, man? Yeah, um, I mean, this is honestly about the return I expected for Wentz. Um, as, as we kind of talked about, you know, previously when we were talking about how he was an option for a lot of teams, I think that the return that the Eagles got is definitely fair considering how bad Wentz performed last year on top of the contract that he has. I, I, but I also, I couldn't think of a better landing spot for him than the Colts. I saw a thing on Twitter. It was like, even with adding Wentz's contract, contract on the Colts still have nearly 50 million dollars of cap space to work with which is just insane because they're already such a good football team and they can be super aggressive in this market if they want and they can come out and just you know arguably just look disgusting um I think it's great that the Colts only had to give up a conditional pick for 2022 so really at at best you know the trade is looking like a Colts 2021 first which all things considered probably is going to be you know realistically speaking probably going to be a playoff level pick so you're you're trading like a bottom 10 picks in the in the first round of the draft and you're trading this year's 85th round pick for a guy who's going back to the coach that he had the most success with in Frank Reich like I don't know man I feel like the Colts you know the Colts definitely played the market well on Wentz and you know as we see them wanting a Matt Stafford level return for Wentz just wasn't going to happen. Yeah, um, you know, you got to look at like you know the the health of Carson Wentz and all of that. I don't know how that played a factor and stuff, but like you know, I mean, I thought the return was good. Um, you know, it was fair in many ways. You know, like both sides of the ball you really look at it like if if Carson Wentz does gets hurt right um the Colts are not going to have to like you know uh give up that first round pick they're just going to have to give up that second round second round pick so it's it's good for them but like you know it's also good for the Eagles because if Carson Wentz does stay healthy and the, the Colts actually make the playoffs which was another condition of the whole deal um then they get the first round pick so I mean it's a win-win on both sides to be honest Bro, wouldn't it be wild to see something like the Colts just getting super aggressive early in games, getting like a 30-point lead by halftime and then just yeah. sitting Wentz at half for Brissett so that they don't have to – they don't meet that – I think the – so uh, the other way – so it's 75% of the Colts' offensive snaps for 2022, mm -hmm. but also if he only plays 70% of the snaps and they make the playoffs, if they can finagle it in some way where he plays like 68% of the snaps – and they make the playoffs, but, like, it doesn't matter. They still only have to give up a second. Like, that would be the biggest, like, F you to, to Howie in the entire world. Yeah. So so how does this, like, so I, I don't know if both the conditions or one of the conditions have to be met. So does it, it does the percentage have to be below um, 75% and if they make the playoffs where Philadelphia does, don't get a first-round pick? Yeah, so the, okay. the two ways that it turns into a first-round pick is if he plays at least 75% of the snaps or if he only plays 70% of the snaps, the Colts make the playoffs, then they still have to pay up that second pick. Okay. Or that, that they have to pay up the second pick regardless. That second pick goes to a first pick. Okay. Oh, okay. So, like, yeah, I would honestly, you know, I mean, I don't even know if the Bears did make an offer for Carson once. I don't think they did. Um, so, Jay Glazer had a source that said they didn't. I've heard from other sources, and there's been other reports that have come out that the Bears did make an offer, but it was basically like not giving up a first round pick at all um you know it's it's very clear what the eagles did um and they were just playing the they were trying to use the media to bump up the price once but yeah. people like what people don't understand about professional sports is 
teams talk about what they're offering and who they're offering it to. Like this stuff isn't secret. These guys all talk, they're all friends, maybe not all friends, but they all discuss things with each other. I was, you know, I was uh, talking to somebody about this with the NFL draft. Like every single team in the NFL draft knows what other teams like, like they know the players that the other teams like. So they're, they don't, they'll never talk about, Oh, at four, I'm a hundred percent taking this. Like they'll never have a conversation like that, but similar things happen in trades. Like guys will call around and be like, Hey, if we were going to trade for X player, what would you value that at? And the same thing goes for, you know, I think the same thing eventually happened with this trade where the bears, it seems like we're being told, Here's what we want. Here's the offers that we got. And the Bears kind of called around and kind of realized that wasn't the case at all. And so I, maybe the Bears had like the makings of an offer on the table, but never actually like submitted it to the Eagles, essentially, mm-hmm. which is more along the lines of probably what I think happened. Um, even though I've talked to some sources who have said, you know, they were really close on, a, on an offer and blah, 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 blah. But realistically, like whether they were or weren't doesn't matter. Um, and I think ultimately the Bears, I think the Bears, if they could have gotten Wentz for this deal, I think it would have made a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. But also, I don't mind missing out on him, given that you do have to make the cap work more if he's coming around and, you know, you have to hope he returns. So, like, just some of the the uncertainty that comes with the trade, you know, I'm definitely fine on passing with. Um, but that being said, I still don't want us to use our first round pick on Mac Jones. I don't want I don't want Mac Jones in Chicago. I, I just think that like you know like we can talk a little bit about this, then we can move into our dynasty rankings and stuff. But like you know, I just think like the weather, the the like just being in Chicago, you know, you have you have to have that arm strength um, to to place accurate balls into wide receivers' hands and stuff. So I I don't think. Um, Mac Jones provides that for me or anything. I think guys like Zach Wilson and Trey Lance do. I mean, I think Justin Fields does, but I think Justin Fields won't won't come to uh, come and c- come come down to our lap. So it'll just be the Bears are going to have to trade up if they do want um, a rookie a rookie quarterback. They, they're going to have to be in that top three consideration if they really want to trade up with Cincinnati or something like that. But I think Cincinnati is going to want that another future first round pick to go with that. So I mean, I think the Bears are in a tough spot here, Jake. I mean, like you know, this is not a Bears podcast, but like there's a lot. Like the Bears were involved in this, and they do have um, quarterback woes and all that stuff. So, uh, like I, I really think that like what they're going to do is just they're just going to sit back and roll it, roll it with Foles and just revisit the quarterback market in the 2022 draft. Actually, that's what I think. Yeah, I can definitely see it going that way. I mean, there's a lot of potential targets the Bears could still go after. Like you Andy could still Dalton make, stuff. Yeah, you yeah. could still make a move for Dalton. People want to knock on Dalton, but like he had a 76 and a half PFF grade last year, playing with basically second and third string offensive linemen. Like he had, you know, the the line play wasn't good around him, and he still put up respectable numbers. His deep accuracy was really the only thing that was a little concerning. But a lot of the times, you know, if you watch their games, they were just chucking the ball because they mm-hmm. had to catch up because yeah. their defense couldn't stop anything. They were out of the um, game, like in the first quarter, the Cowboys in exactly. some games, yeah. So they were just out of the out of the game in the first quarter. So I mean, they were, they were just chucking up hail marys. So yeah, I mean. Yeah, so you got guys like him. You can see, you know, uh, there's uh, Jameis Winston's going to be a free agent. I like You're going to have guys like um, Sam Darnold, realistically, is a trade target that you could go after, a Marcus Mariota, a Derek Carr. Like, there's options out there. You know, I, I, I don't suspect that they, I mean, I suspect that they will, the Bears will bring in another quarterback to at least compete with Foles. I think they're, I think the Bears are honestly comfortable with letting Foles take the keys in 2021 and just calling it a day. But that's only if they are able to, you know, um, improve the offensive line through the draft or through free agency, however that works out. Mm -hmm. I just think that, I'm sorry, I checked here. His PFF grade was actually 69.6 for Dalton, but still like that's, that's a passable grade. It's better than anything a bears quarterback did. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, if you, if you can improve this offensive line, I don't think Foles is a bad option. He clearly has had like streaks where he ran the offense really well, and then when the offensive line play just crumbled, he you know his performance kind of did as well. Um, I don't think Mac Jones will be bad. I think Mac Jones will probably end up being like a Andy Dalton level starter in the NFL. 
But like, I just don't want to waste a first round pick and then be stuck with like three or four years of Mac Jones if he doesn't hit. If he's there in the second, if he's there when our second round pick comes up, by all means, take him. But like, I'm not go with the other needs that we have. I'm not going out of my way to take a quarterback in the first round just to take a quarterback in the first round. Yeah, I mean, like the Bears. I I don't know. I mean, like you know, I mean. I mean, I would have been okay with the Carson Wentz trade, but then, like you said, you know, that contract would be, like, you know, got to rework the cap and all of that. And, of course, you can, but then, you know, you're limiting yourself to, you know, build the rest of the roster. So, I mean, you know, it's it's tough, you know. I mean, like, guys, I, I guess fans don't realize, like, you know, the cap. I mean, we just heard the cap is set at $180 million right now. And you know, that's what, Jake, a boost uh, um, a boost of, like, what, $3.5 million? Um, from seventy, mm. yeah, from seventy six point five million from what they were, what, what they had projected. So that's just like from from what it was supposed to be. If it wasn't for COVID, like three uh, two hundred and thirty million, you're getting cut by fifty million dollars. I mean, we're not the Colts. I mean, like you know, it's it's going to be. I think tough. you're talking about the what the, what they came out with was the salary floor. <laughs> yeah, the salary, so the salary cap floor. So yeah. I think honestly, I think that the floor going up is probably a really good thing you know for for the cap i think they're probably going to project the cap higher than we think it's going to be i hope it's like um, 200 if they can get it up there i'm ho- i'm hoping for like 210 if we if we can get it if the cap is around 210 i think it's obviously great um to have the extra cap space there but i think it just makes it like i think that's just a more comfortable cap number i think realistically it probably ends up about 205 yeah 205 you know that gives a lot a lot of room for the bears you know i mean you know of course this is a betting podcast but we are bears fans but like you know i mean like that 205 does give us a lot of room i mean like you know i mean we are in 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 dead water right now so i mean like it does lift us out of that you know and then you factor in a akeem hicks not being on the team potentially not being on the team next year um and some other restructures bears could have north of like 35 million to use i think they're probably waiting for that before they even get a quarterback in the house i would yeah i wouldn't be surprised if that were the case especially since you have went like falls on such a friendly deal Mm -hmm. like people want to knock on that falls deal you know until they're blue in the face his cap hit is six and a half million yeah like that's what you're that's what every team in football is paying their backup quarterback anyway chase daniel made 60 million dollars and threw like 28 passes over five years like Mm. paying six million to a quarterback who is either your starter or your backup like like worst case scenario it really doesn't matter but yeah you have guys like jimmy graham who could be cut save you seven million oh yeah i forgot about him yeah. Uh, Hicks can be cut and save you 11 and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see here. Screen can be cut. He'll save you about three and a half. Yeah. I don't think they'll do that, but I can see it. Um, you cut. Uh, you could cut. Oh. You could cut James Daniels, but not going to do that. Yeah. Um, and then you're looking at like you know a Leno cut saves you about six mil. Um, I think they'll keep Leno because, you know, I don't even know if you can find a starting left tackle for that price right now. Yeah, not unless they're confident in whoever they draft. Yeah. I don't – yeah, I think they'll probably end up keeping Leno. Maybe maybe uh, Bobby Massey. They might cut Bobby Massey. Yeah, he's he's about a uh, nearly $7 million cap save. So, I you know, I definitely think that's possible. Um, you know, so there's – and as we've talked about, you know, there's restructure opportunities. There's trade opportunities. There's a ton of ways to make more cap space. You know, unless you're a team like the uh, the Saints who are what like sixty million over the cap, like mm-hmm. obviously in your in those situations it's harder. But you know, for the most part, you know you can make just about any cap space work if you get creative enough. Um, but yeah, I think. And then if we want to look at this whole trade from like a fantasy perspective too, mm-hmm. I think it, it I think it boosts Carson Wentz's stock a lot. I think it boosts Jalen Hurts' stock to the moon. There are these rumors going around that the Eagles are taking a quarterback with six. Guys, let's think about everything that the Eagles did trying to use the media to milk more trade value. They're doing the exact same thing with the six-round pick. The Eagles are selling this six-round pick to whoever comes with the highest offer that gives them a first-round pick back so that that team can come up and get a quarterback because they're not taking a quarterback. It's going to be the Bears. It's going to be the Bears. I feel it right now. Ryan Pace is going to jump up. I I could see the Bears, but I could also, I think a red, like I kind of just gave away, a dark horse candidate 
to make that trade would be the Washington football team. Yeah, I like that um, too. I think I think I could see them moving up a little bit to, you know, they have a lot to offer. You know, they have a couple of yeah. defensive players that they can offer. They have a couple of picks that they can offer. I mean, like Deron Payne is like their fifth best defensive player. You know, I mean, like there's other guys on there too, but like Deron Payne is almost he was a first round pick. He his value right now is a first round pick. So you can use him and another pick to go up to that sixth role and get like a, a Trey Lancer or something like that. So I mean, like you know, there's gonna be teams that are that are going to have better offers than the bears so suffice to say so yeah but so the eagles are they're shopping this pick you don't trade a starting quarterback without a veteran backup currently on the roster to work with whoever you bring in or unless you're getting one of those top two or three quarterbacks in the draft even mm-hmm. if the eagles get a quarterback in this draft it's going to be one of wilson or lance who both both realistically still need some developing yeah. to be nfl you know, superstar caliber quarterbacks. I agree. Jalen Hurts just did in four games. His stats were better than Lamar's first four games, better than Wilson's, yeah. better than Kyler's, better than Allen's, better mm-hmm. than Mahomes even in some ways. Like what he he Hurts average or got 400 yards, 400 total scrimmage yards, counting his passing and rushing twice in his first four games, which is something that Carson Wentz never did in six or 68 games as a starter. Like they're giving that they were going to give the keys to this offense to Jalen Hurts, which means Jalen Hurts stocks to the moon. Carson Wentz stocks, maybe not to the moon, but they're going up too because of, you know, what he's getting one of the best offensive lines in football, one of the best running backs in football, a young wide receiver core, a deep tight end room. Like they're getting really good. This Indianapolis offense could be scary if Wentz returns to form. So I'm even trying to buy Wentz stocks pretty much wherever I can. If I if somebody's willing to give up Carson Wentz in a trade for me, especially if I can get like a third round pick, I'm gonna take that any day of the week. Oh yeah, dude, that that's a great value, dude. I mean, yeah. Speaking of fantasy, you know, I mean, enough of this, you know, NFL news and stuff. I mean, like, you know, I mean, hopefully Carson Wentz does really well in Indianapolis, and I am rooting for him. You know, I mean, Frank Reich and Carson Wentz are going to get the ball rolling. I mean, you know, it's going to make it's going to make a lot of people sick out there that said Carson Wentz is a bad QB. You know, he's still he's still at the MVP caliber, I think. You know, I think, you know, I, I like Carson Wentz coming out of North Dakota State, you know, um, played really well in 2017. Uh, obviously, Nick Foles um, took over the throne and won the Super Bowl for them. And, um, you know, it was just this past year that Carson Wentz was bad. And now we're going to see him get reunited with his former offensive coordinator. And we're just going to see how that goes. Yeah, man. Uh, man. I'm excited. Like yeah, I just too. keep getting more and more excited for this football year. But like we we're talking about, you know, with the fantasy focus in mind, um, after we put out those that poll two weeks ago, last week I covered my top ten dynasty running backs. If you haven't checked that out, check it out. I'm going to tweet about it uh, sometime this weekend mm-hmm. as well, um, just so you know all of my rankings for the season are out there. So if I'm right, I look like a genius. If I'm wrong. I still look like an idiot, which is pretty fair, normal to me. Uh, But this week, we're going to be looking at the dynasty wide receivers. So um, before I say anything, AJ, guess my top three dynasty wide receivers. Okay, this is going to be easy. I know it's going to be easy. Okay. All right. uh, All right. So you got Justin Jefferson up there. You got Devontae Adams up there. And you got AJ Brown up there. You are really close. Oh, Um, Everybody you named is in my top five. So you were real close. So do you have DK Metcalf then? I do have DK Metcalf in my top three. Okay. So what's your top uh, three? So um, for me, my my number one is Devontae Adams. Say what you want about the man. I, I was not necessarily a Devontae Adams believer. Um, prior to this year, I, I had some bad tweets um, where I kind of said he was one of the more overweighted, overrated wide receivers in football. Admittedly, at the time, I did not watch enough film on on Devontae Adams to really understand why he was so goddamn good. I get it now. I totally see everywhere that I was wrong. So Devontae Adams, one of the best route runners in football, working with one of the greatest quarterbacks that we've ever seen, arguably the best quarterback Physically, like physical talent wise, arguably the best quarterback that I have ever watched throw football. He's and you know, Rodgers, say what you want. Yes, he's old. Yes, maybe that hurts the dynasty stock a little bit. But we're we're talking about a man who he's just he's putting up better numbers, in my opinion, 
than he has for many parts of his career. You know, if we look at what he did last year, led the league in complete completion percentage, led the league in touchdowns, led the league in touchdown percentage, led the league in interception percentage, average yards per attempt, rating, quarterback rating. Aaron Rodgers at 37 is putting up better numbers than he's put up since maybe his like age 28 season. You could probably argue his age 33 season was right in there as well. I don't see Devontae Adams slowing down whatsoever, especially with Rodgers' ability to just find Devontae Adams open. With the the targets that he's going to get, he's going to continue to always be the number one wide receiver in that offense. No matter who they bring in, they could bring in elite guys this offseason like a Chris Godwin, like an Allen Robinson, like a, I won't call him elite, but a good wide receiver as a compliment, Nelson Aguilar. And you're still going to find Devontae Adams getting 120 to 170 targets next three years i will i will die on that hill Devonte adams is dynasty wide receiver one that's why i dynasty. took him i took yeah. him man i had to you know yeah he's you, the best have, wide receiver. you have to at that value he's the best wide receiver in football right now i mean like exactly and i am i'm happy you know i mean like i, I didn't want nick chubb like i said last year last week um i wanted saquon barkley i want like i was thinking that saquon barkley and the Devonte adams combo and that would be so lethal and then I go and get like a Baker Mayfield, which I got Baker Mayfield, but like I, I kind of wanted Josh Allen so bad, but he went like a couple picks before it. So um, I was kind of salty there. So I mean, like, yeah, Devontae Adams, man. Like, I see him, I see this man, like, even, even like you said, Jake, if they get like a Chris Godwin in free agency, like, you know, even if Alan Lazard gets like 10 touchdowns next year, I think this man still gets 15 touchdowns and like maybe 1,300 receiving yards. And like you said, 140 receptions on 170 targets maybe like Aaron Rodgers that's that's his bud dude that's his buddy yeah it's yeah Devontae Adams isn't going anywhere so I'm very comfortable having him as my dynasty wide receiver one um when we look at the wide receiver two that I have it's Tyreek Hill um I he, I mean, we, we can probably all admit that Tyreek Hill is one of the most dynamic players in football. You get the ball in his hands, and he does some crazy things pretty much every time. You know, we've seen him go off for insane games where he has 200-plus yards and tw- three touchdowns. But the big reason for me to put Tyreek Hill in that top three is he's still consistently been one of the best wide receivers in football. Um even, you know, arguably you could call this a, a, you know, we could definitely call 2019 a down year. Yeah. 2020, maybe he didn't live up to as many people's expectations, even though he scored more touchdowns, but just had less yards in 2018. But Devontae, you know, what what Devontae Adams brings you is a guy who's high target, high catch probability. He's going to just consistently bring in a lot of targets, especially since we talk about PPR exclusively here. Um, you know, he brings in a lot of targets. He's going to bring in a lot of catches. Tyreek Hill still has 135-plus targets in his two best seasons in the NFL. He's got 100, hard, he had 100 targets in uh, 2017. He still had 90 targets in 2019 when he missed four games. So he's consistently seeing the volume that we are looking for in elite receivers. Plus, what he can do with the ball in his hands is just on another level. Plus, he's tied to the best quarterback in football in Patrick Mahomes. Like he's They're just tied together at the hips. Plus... He's going to be only 27 in this upcoming season. He turns 27 uh, in March 1st in just a you know week or a week and a half or so here. So Tyreek Hill is not going anywhere. And if you're if he's not in your dynasty top five, you're doing dynasty wrong. Absolutely, you know I love Tyreek Hill. You know his ability, man. I mean, like you know I you know I I of course you know support what Antoine Winfield did in the Super Bowl thing, but like you know. When when you have a down game and it just happened to be in that Super Bowl, I mean, I'm not going to knock Tyreek Hill for that. You know, he knows he's like the second or third best player on Kansas City. He knows that on the offensive side of the football. He's, there's Patrick Mahomes, there's Tyreek Hill, and there's Travis, there's Travis Kelsey. We'll do our tight ends in a couple of weeks here. But, you know, like if he doesn't come up, then, Ty- uh, then Travis Kelsey has to. And if both of them th- don't come up, then there's no way Byron Pringle and Nicole Hardman are leading that offense to win that Super Bowl. So, um, you know, I mean, Tyreek Hill, you know, he did have a chance. No, 
to like you know catch some balls. I guess I don't know. I mean like I, they were they were they were locking him down. You know in the Super Bowl. I mean like he caught a couple of things, but like they were they were, they were saying no to that end zone for Tyreek Hill. I even put fifty bucks on the second half super boost for for Tyreek Hill. We both did. Yeah, and like you know I thought he was gonna get like you know a touchdown. Or, or like a garbage time touchdown, you know? It, it, it got even close to like the nine-yard line, and they turned it over on downs. I thought they would get like a garbage time touchdown to Tyreek Hill, but it doesn't matter. But, you know, Tyreek Hill is still a number two, you know, like after Devontae Adams to me. But, like, you know, I think he's going to come out mad. He's going to come out angry, and he's going to tell Pat to throw him the ball anywhere he goes, man. I mean, if you – like like I said, like, like Jake said, if you have him out of your top three or even top four, there's something wrong with you. Yeah, exactly. There's just he he's been too good for too long at this point for people to continue to ignore what kind of value he provides, especially over a long term, you know, a long term outlook. Um, when we look at the wide receiver three, this was probably the the spot that was the biggest struggle for me because as I as we already pointed out, I think there's three really legitimate candidates for this spot between DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, and Justin Jefferson. For me, as I kind of already alluded to, I went DK Metcalf as my wide receiver three. The main reason for this for me is the quarterback that he's with, I think more highly of Russell Wilson uh, as a quarterback than I do of Ryan Tannehill and Kirk Cousins. Not to knock either of those guys at all. I think they're probably all top 10 quarterbacks in football. But what we've seen Russ be able to do is just on another level. Plus, what we've seen out of Metcalf is we see a higher target share out of him. Um, he's aver- he's never had less than 100 targets in his two seasons, whereas A.J. Brown, he just broke 100 targets this year. Jefferson, he had 125 targets, but again, it's his first year, uh, so I'm holding out a little bit of, you know, see how the league adjusts on him in this coming season. But even then, like I said, we specific- I specifically focus on points per reception leagues, even in half PPR leagues. 88 receptions out of Jefferson, 83 out of Metcalf. Metcalf was more productive um, in the getting into the end zone. Uh, Jefferson was a little better on a per catch or per reception basis. So you know, there's a it's a coin toss between those two for me. Um, I went Metcalf. I think his upside is a little bit higher. I think Metcalf truly, you know, he is a true wide receiver one in terms of skill set. Whereas Jefferson, I I also agree he's a true wide receiver one in, in terms of skill set. But he's also in an offense that benefits a lot from the running back pulling pulling guys off of coverage. Um, you know, a running back that teams have to not only run protect against but also pass protect against. Um, and then AJ Brown, we just haven't seen the volume out of him yet. This is, you know, he broke, he had 106 targets this year, only at 84 targets last year. So just from a volume perspective, his volume is a little bit lower, um, than what we see out of Metcalf and Jefferson. So for me, it goes Metcalf at three, Jefferson at four, and then AJ Brown at five. That being said, I think AJ Brown is arguably the most talented out of the three. I think I feel like if I were to throw a ball to a, a receiver, I think I throw. I feel a little bit more comfortable throwing it to AJ Brown. But in terms of fantasy, like just with the volume being a little bit lower, it's harder for me to value him as highly as everyone, as a lot of people seem to. Um, I've seen some different tweets um, and some different rankings that have. I've seen him ranked as uh, AJ Brown ranked as high as four, um, four in a couple different rankings places. Um, which is, I think is definitely fair. I think the argument's definitely there, but for him, he falls into my five spot. Um, I think those, you know, with those three young guys, those are going to be three really, really damn good receivers for a really long time. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I think as long as DK stays healthy and continues to be in a productive, a productive member of the offense, there's a legitimate chance that I think DK Metcalf could go down as one of the greatest receivers of all time. But it just was going to be a matter of him consistently performing at this level and staying healthy. Absolutely. But, like, you know what really fucks with my mind a lot? It's like these two went to Ole Miss. DK Metcalf and A.J. Brown went to Ole Miss. And they didn't even do anything there. Like, they, they did, but, like, their quarterback was just garbage like i don't even know who it was like 
like I, I can't remember, but like you know, if you have those two wide receivers who ended up going like in high in the draft, obviously, and you didn't do much with them, dude. Oh my God, man! Even Zach Medenberger with OBJ and Jarvis Landry, he blew it, dude. Like, oh my God, dude! Like all this talent, talentful wide receivers that we see, man, starting college, dude. This is nice, but like, damn. But like, look at like um. But before I go into my wide receiver three, Jake, I did pick DeAndre Hopkins. I I was kind of skeptical here a little bit, you know. Um, I I forgot to talk about my wide receiver too, but I did pick DeAndre Hopkins, like I said, like I just said. Um, bit skeptical, just because uh, Kyler Murray's um, shoulder does bother me a lot. If he does get injured, like I don't know if like uh, I don't who's that backup again? John? No, it's not him. Ch- uh, Ryan, Ryan, no, not Ryan Finley. I don't even know who the backup is right now, dude. Who was it? Uh, whatever. Um, the Google, guy that ran around, it. dude. Um, let me Google it. Arizona Cardinals backup quarterback. It wasn't Things Ryan. I never fin- thought I'd be Googling. It wasn't. It wasn't like Ryan Finley. Oh yeah, Chris, Chris Straveler, Straveler. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 All right. In week seventeen, he took over. Then they lost to the Rams. Right. So. Um, like to me, like if if Kyler Murray goes down for the rest of the season, I hope Arizona has a backup plan at quarterback. Like I don't know if Ryan Finley can get it done. I definitely for sure the Struggler can't get it done either because he only had Hopkins only had in that game against the Rams. He only had four receptions, uh, ten targets, right? But four receptions, thirty-five yards. That's not healthy for me. I mean, I need a productive DeAndre Hopkins if I want to go anywhere in this um, this year in Dynasty. So, um, man, so that's my wide receiver, too. Hopefully that works out. I don't know if it's going to work out, but, you know, I'm hoping um, Darren Waller carries me um, and fills that void. But, like, you know, I, I also got uh, for my wide receiver three, I got Mike Evans. You know, if hopefully Tom Brady, he's sticking around, so that's good to see. He's going for ring number eight, so that's that's always awesome here for Dynasty owners and fantasy owners if you do pick Mike Evans. Um, I also have Tom Brady as my quarterback. Um, thing about Mike Evans is um, I love his, like, uh, his charisma in the game. You know, uh, what he did in the Super Bowl, he – just was just able to get open in that field. So, you know, I'm happy that I picked him, you know, and I, I hope he just, um, just shows out. I mean, I hopefully, hopefully with Mike Evans, it's just like, he doesn't like, you know, get hurt as much as like the other wide receivers. I mean, like I, I think Mike Evans and Chris Godwin had their share of injuries. So I, I think Chris Godwin missed the first uh, five weeks of the season. And then Mike Evans uh, carried that load. And then, a couple weeks later, Mike Evans got hurt with his hamstring. So, you know, I just hope he stays healthy and he just carries me through, man. I mean, and then my for my wide receiver four, I do have Adam Thielen. So I went deep wide receiver here. So um, Devontae Adams, DeAndre Hopkins, Mike Evans, and Adam Thielen. Uh, of course, you have the stud out there. Um, and then just Justin Jefferson, he's the one out there. So I think Adam Thielen's the two now, I, I suppose. So... Uh, I just hope Adam Thielen gets as enough as as many as targets as uh, Justin Jefferson does, and he gets into the end zone instead of Justin Jefferson. I mean, you know, Justin Jefferson is talented as hell, man. I, like if like I'd be surprised if he had less than fourteen touchdowns next season. Yeah, man. It's you know, it's interesting to see you definitely went a little bit older. Yeah. Um, in the wide receiver pool than I did. Oh yeah. I like Mike Evans. Um, my only issue with him is just that offense has so many targets. So many. Like every man. everybody eats in that offense, and he's just been kind of his uh, his reception numbers have been down the last yeah. couple of years. So he's a little bit more touchdown dependent. But that being said, he scored 13 touchdowns this year. Like he's clearly not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's, for me, for me, it's just like you got Scotty Miller, you got Antonio Brown. If, especially with Antonio Brown and all of his legal issues clear up, and he gets into the weight room and he starts conditioning and all that, and he starts feeling like Pittsburgh Antonio Brown, it's finished. You know, you have Scotty Miller, you got uh, Chris Godwin. If he's healthy, he's perfect. And then you got Antonio Brown, and then that sort of leaves a void there for Mike Evans because you know Tampa Bay sort of looks at him as like a touchdown type receiver, and he's more of a possession wide receiver. He's not more of a catch and run guy while Chris Godwin, Scotty Miller, and Antonio Brown are. So, um, and of course you have the two tight ends, Rob Gronkowski and Cameron Braid, so they're not going to go anywhere. Then you have the two running backs, Ronald Jones and Ronald Fournette. So it's it's kind of worrisome for me. I mean, like I I technically went the Ryan Pace way, uh, best 
player available sort of thing. But yeah, I agree. I did go on the age, um, age side of wide receivers, um, the older age of things. So um, yeah, hopefully it works out. But like you know, like you said, Jake, it's uh, it's worrisome because you know Mike Evans is more of like the third or fourth target on that team now. Yeah, it's uh, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I still value Evans. Like I still think he's. Got, definitely got. I mean, I, he's he's not going anywhere. He's still going to be a, a a good you know good asset to have on your team. Um, he's just not a guy I'm going to put in top ten dynasty rankings. Mm-hmm. As I continue through, you'll see you know the route that I went a little bit more. Um, not that I don't like guys like Evans who are a little bit you know bigger body targets who you know going up for a jump ball. Obviously, that's super important. But um, when I look at like the rest of the guys that I have on the list, so I've got Stephon Diggs as my wide receiver six for dynasty purposes. Obviously, the man just put up the best season of his career. Josh Allen looked better than he ever did. Diggs set insane numbers in terms of receptions, yards, yards per game. You know, he's, he put up his career, basically his career best season in every stat besides touchdowns, um, which he was one short of his, tw- uh, his 2018 season. Um, but Diggs, in, again, this is a situation where even though he's a little bit of an older wide receiver, he's tied to a young, explosive quarterback who is – clearly turned a corner and is more productive now than he's been at any point in his career. And I just value what he can bring to an offense a lot more, you know, especially in PPR 127 points coming simply off of just catches. Like that's just insane. That led the league, you know, Stefan Diggs was arguably like a league winning wide receiver. A lot of guys were taking him in the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth round last year. And he just pulled back immense value for guys. When you look at my wide receiver seven, I've got DeAndre Hopkins. Um, like you said with DeAndre, um, I'm a little bit worrisome about his value being a little limited if we do see a Kyler injury. Um, but that being said, if we look at this season compared to you know his 2018 season where he was argue, I think he might have even been wide receiver one that year. But basically the same amount of targets, exact same amount of receptions. He had 170 less yards, but he had five less touchdowns. So that's really all that we've seen over the last two years. He's found the end zone a little bit less. Um, I think that's also been more of a product of the offenses that he's been, the way that the offense has run, both in Arizona and with Houston. You know, he's just seen a little bit of less, a little bit less targets in the in the red zone. He's not breaking these insane, you know, 70, 80 yard catches every week or anything like that. Um, but I think he's still a very valuable member of the offense. He's only about a year older than a lot of the guys I've already mentioned at 28, going on 29. So I'm not worried about Hopkins going forward. I just do think his value is a little bit limited as yeah. he's too tied to you know Kyler's health. Yep, absolutely. If Kyler goes <laughs> down, I don't think Hopkins gets over like 600 yards, man. They're gonna probably like you know limit Hopkins too, because like you know Hopkins has his share of injury issues too. So. Um, for when he was in Houston, but like you know, you know after that, you know I I rounded it up with Sterling Shepard. Um, I I don't know how that's gonna work out because you know they got Danny Dimes just throws the ball around a lot. I mean he's gonna have Saquon back, so I think Saquon's gonna get a hell of targets. So it's gonna be really interesting interesting how that goes. And I think um Golden Tate's out there in New York too, so I'll see how that goes for Golden Tate Sterling Shepard, and then they have. Darius Slayton, too, I think, as their number one. So, um, and Sterling Shepard as their two. But, like, you know, Sterling Shepard did, I, I keep on saying Stepper, Shepard. Um, he, he did come on um, in the early, uh, in the late part of the season. You know, he had 70, 70 yards against Baltimore. Then he had a, a buck 12 against, um, against Dallas. But, you know, I mean, for the majority part of the season, for the first 15 weeks, he only had less than 400 yards. And that's just because of his health. So, I mean, this is just a pick that, like, you know, as my fifth wide receiver, you know, if he's not feeling healthy, I can just, you know, plug him, uh, take him out and plug it in with uh, K.J. Hamler, um, DuVernay, Van Jefferson. Uh, and, again, these are just guys like – or James Washington. But these are guys that are hit or miss guys because they won't do anything in, in any given week. Like, you know, sometimes we see James Washington with, like, two receptions at 50 yards, right? Sometimes we see Van Jefferson for a reception of 60 yards and a touchdown, right? We saw that this season. But they're not guys that you can count on, that you can throw in at the three or four spot. They're just guys that, like, you know, could replace Sterling Shepard when he's not healthy or whenever other of these guys are not healthy. So, I mean, I went young with those receivers, but it's they're not, like, future starting options. They're, like, halfway rostered, too, as well. So I have a lot of work to do. Hey, man, your, your wide receiver core is solid, though. You know, definitely no complaints there. Yeah. Um, 
when we look at the rest of my rankings, so past Hopkins, so that Hopkins is my wide receiver seven again. My wide receiver eight is uh, Calvin Ridley. Um, I think we all saw the Calvin Ridley breakout that yeah, everybody's man. kind of been projecting since he came, uh, you know, he came to the NFL. He came out of uh, Alabama there. Um, he, you know, 90 catches, uh, 1,300, almost 1,400 yards, nine touchdowns. You know, we finally saw him treated as a wide receiver one. Was part of that the Julio injuries? Probably part of it. That being said, Ridley looks so much better on a football field than Julio does at this point. You know, he's he's the clear one, in my opinion, in that offense. Not to knock Julio at all. I still think Julio is very undervalued um, by a lot of fantasy owners. Um, but just moving forward, like, He's, you know, he's 90 targets each of his first two seasons, 145 targets this year, and he missed a game and came out of a game early with injury as well. So, you know, we're just going to see some astronomical numbers going forward out of Ridley, which is something that I'm definitely super high on. Um, my wide receiver nine is C.D. Lamb. Um, C.D. Lamb, one of the most talented, physically talented, in my opinion, wide receivers in football. What the man can do with his body to make sure he catches the ball is just insane, as we saw that by that diving catch in the end zone. Um you know, he what he's going to continue to put up. This was as arguably he started the season as arguably like the third target in his offense behind um, Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup. But in 14 games started 16 total games that he played, he had 111 targets and he had set basically 75 catches for 950 yards and five touchdowns. You know, those a little bit of rounding up there. But to be to have those numbers and to watch what his team and that's also considering that he only had what five games six games with Dak and the rest of the games he was, he was catching passes from Ben Gucci, Danucci and Andy Dalton, like a full season of him with Dak might legitimately be a top five wide receiver in football. And like just seeing what he can do with the ball in his hands, he can make things happen. You can catch him on a bubble and he can, he can break it for 20 or 30 or 40 yards. He can be a deep guy where he can run, he can run, you know, deep posts. He can run fade routes. He can run, you know, seams and he's going to get open. He's got the separation. He's got the hands. He's got the footwork. You know, I think he's the making of what we're going to see. You know, he's what you hope for to hope to get in a wide receiver. And for him to be my wide receiver nine really just shows the talent that's all there. I think in other seasons, if you take some guys out of, you know, the situation, like there's a legitimate argument for CeeDee Lamb to be closer to the top five. Um, and then to round out the 10th spot, this is where things got really iffy for me. I think there's a lot of guys that you could comfortably plug in as the wide receiver 10, um, especially in dynasty rankings. Um, the guy that I ultimately went with, he's a wide receiver, obviously. Um, but what I think he brings to teams is very underrated. Um, I'm looking at a guy who he's a high target guy. He doesn't get in the end zone as much, but he just consistently brings in value from what he does on the football field. And that man that I'm talking about is Allen Robinson. I might get some flack from people for not including Michael Thomas in my top 10. I'm definitely going to get some flack for not having guys like Juju or Deontay or Deontay Jefferson or Robert Woods. You know, there's definitely a lot of arguments to make for a lot of guys here. But Allen Robinson has continued to produce year after year after year with dog shit quarterbacks. And he consistently puts up really, really good numbers. His, you know, last year. 98 catches for 1,147 yards and seven touchdowns. This year, 102 catches for 1,250 yards and six touchdowns. He's consistently been a top 10 wide receiver each of the past two years. Why should I not have him in my top 10 rankings, especially as a 27-year-old who's either going to be on a Bears team and still be the wide receiver one, or he's going to be a free agent and he's going to go somewhere else. He's going to sign with the best quarterback that he can, and he's just going to feast on targets all year. Allen Robinson is my wide receiver 10. I'm ending my rankings there. Bite me on it if you want to. AJ, take it away. Dude, Allen Robinson. No, like, I don't even know why no one doesn't even talk about the 2015 season. He had 80 receptions, 1,400 yards, and 14 touchdowns. Man, this man was averaging 17 and a half yards after the catch, dude. Or not, not sorry, not after the catch, per catch. So, I mean, like, dude, like, like, and then he, like, with Mitch Trubisky, he put up 1,100 yards in 2019. Like, the offense was worse in 2018 than it was in 2019. So, wait, no, sorry. The, the offense was terrible in 2019, and the offense was actually better than it 
was actually better in 2018. So, I mean, like, I don't know. Damn, like, he put up 754 yards in 2018, and then he somehow got another five, 450 yards and a couple extra touchdowns in 2019. And then in 2020, he, he gets more yards, but he can't get the touchdowns because, again, dog shit quarterbacks. Man, if Chicago doesn't solve this quarterback issue, he's gone. He's gone. Like, I, I really see, like, a tagging trade for Allen Robinson. But, like, anyways, I don't, I don't care. Like, I mean, whatever happens. Like, I really hope Allen Robinson, at the end of the day, gets a, gets a, a quarterback that, like, can throw the ball to him accurately, man. It's just uh, pain, I guess. But yeah, man. Yeah, so that's it's, – it's a tough situation for Robinson. You know, if you yeah. look at the – his quarterbacks have been Blake Bortles and Mitch Tru- Bisky and he's putting up you know top ten wide receiver numbers, numbers, dude. That's you know, I don't, insane. Yeah, like it's crazy. I just I don't see a way that he's not a top ten wide receiver going forward. Obviously, you know he's he's getting a little bit older. He's only twenty seven. He's like the same age as like four other guys that I put on this list. But like wide receivers can play until they're a little bit older. Especially a guy like Robinson who doesn't rely on separation. He's more of a contested catch guy where he's, you know, a go up and get it guy, um, which is things that guys that I typically, sh- you know, I fade a little bit, but I just like what he can bring to an offense and the, you know, the ability that he's going to give a team, you know, to succeed going forward. But that's how my 10 wide receivers wrap up. Like I said, I'll tweet out the running back and the wide receiver rankings moving forward. But AJ and I here, we just got some bets that we like tonight that we're going to wrap up with. So uh, AJ, I'll let you take away what kind of bets we got. Uh, For the NBA, man, I've been doing a lot of parlays. I've been posting them on the Fantasy Odds cast. You know, this person that I I just like tail to like death, you know, nothing's crazy. You know, the unit size like average is like 12 bucks a unit. But dude, they're raking right now. The page is called Chili Bets, man. And it's just, oh my god, dude! Like I won seven hundred and eighty bucks yesterday. And if you look at the parlays on the on the on the on the profile page, shake, you'll see what I'm talking about. I did a I did a parlay with Jimmy Butler, uh, ten rebounds, ten assists, and under seventeen and a half points. So that one gave me three hundred dollars last night. I did another one with uh, Bam Adebayo, uh, De'Aaron Fox with their assists. I think eight for Bam and ten for Fox. Um, it's just insane, man. I won three parlays yesterday. Uh, hopefully I wouldn't win today, but like, I don't want to jinx this. I'm going to knock on wood. <laughs> so, um, but for today, guys, you know, like for my single bets, I really do like some player props. Um, it's Nikola Joker's birthday today. Um, I don't call him Jokic. Obviously I call him Joker. So it's Nikola Joker. Um, I have him for a double, double, no, no, sorry, not for a double, double, a triple, double and the odds for a triple, double for Nikola Jovic. Plus 260. I really like that. You know, it's his birthday. He's going to show out. Um, and then for my second bet, I really do like Trey Young. His over in points. Um, and his over is uh, 26 and a half. So lock those in. Uh, Nikola Jovic, triple-double, plus 260. And Trey Young, over in points, 26 and a half. So, Jake, what do you got for the National Hockey League? Yeah, man. So uh, I've been a little up and down with the hockey bets the past okay. couple of days. Just uh, just trying to find a groove a little bit. Um, but I've got some plays that I definitely like tonight. Um, so tonight um, we've got four games on the slate. Um, I'm only betting a couple of them. Um, so uh, we got the Blackhawks versus the Hurricanes um, is the first game that I'm going to be betting on. Um, I've got two bets for this game. So the, the Hurricanes are actually favored in this game. Um, but that being said, I am going to ride the hot streak that we're seeing out of um, Chicago. Um, Chicago's, I think, nine and one, or seven, one and one in their last nine games. Um, so I'm going to ride this hot streak out. You know, Lankinen's looking like a top five goalie in, in the league right now. You know, Patrick Kane's performing at a, at a super high level. Um, are the two highest scoring rookies in hockey are both Blackhawks players. So, you know, this team is looking a lot better than they did early on in the season. Um, so I'm going to take the Blackhawks money line here. Um, I don't have, give me one second. Let me pull up the number here. I think it's plus 155. Um, but I'll, I'll make sure to tweet or put it on the tweet as well. Um, but let me just pull this up here. And then the other thing that I'm going with for this game is the over under is currently set at six. Uh, I'm going to lean the under on this game. Neither of these two teams are super high scoring. Um, and their goalies don't give up a ton, you know, pretty much every goalie on the roster, 
of uh, the Hurricanes gives up three or less goals per game. Lankinen's only giving up 2.3 goals per game. So, you know, if it, if teams were to just score uh, like that, then it's going to be pretty, you know, I think a pretty low scoring game. So I'm going to take the Blackhawks money line and the under in this game. Um, FanDuel has the Blackhawks money line at plus 166. Um, and they actually have on FanDuel, they have the over under set at six and a half. In that situation, definitely going to lean the under here, um, which is minus one. Um, and then the other game that I'm going to throw a little bit of uh, money on is the uh, Panthers Red Wings game. Uh, the Red Wings have not been a good hockey team this year. They're 4 11 and 3. Panthers, on the other hand, have been great 10 2 and 2. Um, so I'm going to lean, I'm going to take the Panthers money line here um, at minus 194, just because I think that, you know, while I do like an underdog story, I don't think that's what we're going to see. Um, even though the Red Wings, you know, their goalies have been given up less than three, three goals a game, their offense is just non-existent. And that's been their problem pretty much all year. Um, you know, they're to have goalies that are doing that well, you know, nearly 90% save percentages, giving up less than three goals a game, and your top point scorer as a Red Wings player has nine points. Like, you're just not, your team's just not set up for success right now. Um, so I'm leaning the Panthers money line here, um, which FanDuel has at minus 194. Um, and then in this game, I'm also going to take the under. Um, you know, it's at five and a half right now. Um, but just, I just, I'm feeling a low scoring night tonight in hockey for whatever reason. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Um, but I got the unders, you know, the under in this game as well at minus 105. Um, this is just how I see things going. Um, ultimately I think what we do best is, you know, hit bets that we're comfortable on. And these are bets that I feel comfortable with. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I love, I love my Joker bet and I love my Trey Young bet. I mean, these guys are, I think are going to go off tonight. So, I mean, you know, especially with Joker's birthday being today, being, being, being today. So, um, but yeah, man, I mean, I love those bets too. I always tell your hockey bets. I mean, I'm up, I'm, I'm up on that. So, I mean, like, I don't know shit about hockey except, you know, um, at my LA Kings with like, you know, obviously Grunerson and, and Dottie and Anzi Kopitar holding it down there for me in LA. But, you know, that's all I know about hockey. But like, you know, guys, it's been a pleasure talking sports with you, sports betting and news with you guys, you know. Uh, we will talk to you next week, obviously. Um, we're going to have more of our fantasy rankings. Um, I think, Jake, we're, we're doing um, we're doing quarterbacks next week, right? Yes, sir. All right, we're doing quarterback rankings next week for, for Dynasty and Fantasy rankings. So please do tune in for that. Other than that, Jake, take it away from here. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you guys taking your time out of your day to listen to our podcast. We both really do appreciate it. Make sure you guys follow us on Twitter at the Fantasy Oddscast. Uh, you know, we're going to continue to post our, post our plays, post our Dynasty and Fantasy in general stuff as we go forward but i want to thank you guys again make sure you give aj a follow at aj decide four on twitter give me a follow at jake perry 34 and as always guys stay home and stay comfy